You're listening to Tech Talk Central. This is Vinatia Kiritsi from Tech Talk Central, live at WMC Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. And I am very, very lucky to be sitting here with Mr. Rick Valencia, founder and leader of Qualcomm's healthcare subsidiary, Comcom Life. He's the vice chair of the Value Health Initiative with the World Economic Forum. He also oversees the 10 million uh, Qualcomm, Qualcomm Tricorder X Prize competition, the 100 million Qualcomm Life Fund, and the 100 million DRX Capital, which, may, uh, which uh, make venture investments in digital health startups. He himself has more than 25 years of leading and growing innovation experience in the industry, and I am very lucky to have him with me. Hello. Hello. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. Looking forward to sharing a little bit about what we're up to at Qualcomm with you. So I heard you yesterday on the panel on AI and digital health, and um, you teased a little bit about your close to getting a winner for the XPRIZE competition. So we're close to getting something uh, of a tricorder, which is one of, you know, my bucket list. It's high high up there, personally. Um, so if you can give me a few words without, you know, uh, giving away any big secrets. Sure. So we've been at this now for um, almost five years, where we originally announced the um, the XPRIZE. And uh, what, the, what the challenge that was laid out was that we wanted someone to develop a wireless device that would diagnose 15 diseases as well or better than a panel of primary care doctors. By the way, it turns out that that's not a really high bar because they get it right about 50% of the time. But um, still, we wanted to do this in a, um, in a remote way, in a, in a way that patients could do it themselves. And um, so there's, um, originally we had, I think there were 300 uh, participants that um, that signed up to compete, and uh, it's been narrowed down over the last five years. We had our first narrowing down um, to uh, about 150, and then down to 50, and then it's been winnowing its way down. We had the final 10 announced last year, and we're now down to the last two, and the two finalists are Dynamical Biomarkers Group and Final Frontier Medical Devices, and both of them have um, proven that they can not only um, do the diagnosis, but also that uh, they can t um, they can capture and stream vital certain list of vital signs, and um, we're, we're in we're in user trials now. So they're working with UCSD, and and um, they have a number of patients that they're they're doing testing on, and so the results of that is going to determine who the winner is. And we should be announcing the winner. I believe it's in two months from now, and uh, really excited to do that. It's a $10 million prize, but what's really interesting about the X Prize is that um, when you put out a challenge like this for $10 million, like I said, 300 participants early on, there's probably been well over $100 million invested in trying to solve this problem with multiple teams. A lot of the teams have come together. Several of the teams that actually aren't in the finalists, um, the two finalists, are still off trying to build a business around this. So we've really promoted a lot of innovation as a result of putting this $10 million prize out. I think that's a more effective use of resources personally than just uh, throwing money into the buckets of, uh, I love what you, I, I think you coined the term pilotitis. I love that because um, I'm stationed now 
working primarily in Europe, although I'm from the Bronx myself in the U.S. Not that the U.S. is, is far behind, but especially in Europe and the European Union, I mean, the amount of pilots, smart cities, active aging, uh, big data, connected living, IoT here, this, that, the other. And they're doing wonderful things, right? They're doing this pilot for 100 homes, 1,000 people, whatever. When, when the project's done, one hand clapping in the woods. <laughs> yeah, and in healthcare, it's just 10 times worse. The, we have so many issues in the way. I mean, we have an, an established industry that's been used to doing things in a very manual, paper-based, and slow uh, fashion. One-to-one interactions, doctors and nurses feeling that they have to be in front of a patient. But technology is going to enable so many... Um, uh, it's going to enable the delivery of care in such a better, more efficient way, uh, a way that is helps me as a patient um, improve my quality of life where I don't have to go sit in a waiting room and get sick while I'm waiting for the doctor uh, because of everyone else around me. And uh, But the issue is, is that um, we have regulatory issues, we have entrenched interest, we have problems with regard to how healthcare is paid for, where um, there's such a misalignment of, of um, the way you get paid and what's ultimately good for a patient, the way you get paid as a caregiver. And so we've got to work on sort of those, those systemic problems before we're going to see rapid adoption of this. But it's, the technology is pretty much available today. It's just a matter of getting uh, healthcare to adopt. And also another big factor I found is good old-fashioned stubbornness all the way around, whether you start from the doctor, the patient, the tech guy that doesn't like the doctor, the doctor who doesn't like the tech guy, etc. So really quick, from yesterday's panel, I we talked about, you guys talked about, um, clinicians, doctors don't trust the data unless there's a patient sitting right in front of them. Clinicians consider when we when we tell them oh data is going to be collected and you're going to have all this information blah blah and then they, they all just say and this was severe deja vu for me and who's going to read all this data and you just exhale you know exclaimed nobody that's the whole point nobody's going to read this data it's all going to go in this you know magic box or, or magic cloud or whatever and algorithms and computers and minds and blah blah are going to compute it and treat it and and you're going to get an answer that you're going to have to trust so on that and on breaking those chains and breaking those those mentalities and and, and affecting behavioral change and, and and mental change and to have all these different components because at the at the end of the day we are talking about human beings and each seeing a certain thing from different points of view with their own prejudices and their own interests or perceived interests because really I don't think anybody has grasped that when this thing busts wide open everybody is going to make a ton of money everybody's life is going to be better well it's sad to say but my firm belief is that what's going to break the dam what's going to finally get us to a point where we start seeing rapid adoption is when we change the way healthcare is paid for because as hospital systems as doctors today the way they get paid is by volume, by volume of, of services that they provide to patients. And so if you come in and you have a, um, a condition and you need a surgery and the surgery goes wrong, you come back in and you need to go back into surgery, they just they continue to get paid for the services that they're providing you, even though you're not getting well. You might even get, be getting more sick. So until we change the payment of uh, healthcare globally, 
to more of a value-based payment. You get paid for keeping a patient well, not for the number of services that you perform. We're not going to see the adoption. So that is is fundamental step number one. And the trust issue, clearly um, it's an issue that we have to deal with. We're building out a medical-grade platform that captures data from patients wherever they are and gets it back into the system in a trusted sort of way. So the technology is there to help deliver on that. But to your point, a lot of of folks that are just stubborn in in the way that they've, they've practiced medicine before. But I'm telling you, if you change the way they get paid and you tell them that the only way you're going to put food on the table going forward is if you keep people well, it'll happen. And in terms of of us trusting data as opposed to human interaction. Look, at we fly billion-dollar planes in the air over our populations, and they're flying themselves. They've got a, a funny-looking a guy in a funny-looking suit sitting up in the front that is pretending like it's flying, but it's really not. The guy's not. It's the machine that's flying itself. So we can do that in healthcare as well. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And and we try. And- the whole privacy issue, it, it, it goes, okay, I understand privacy and data and this and that. Personally, I would be, take my data. If, 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 you know, if you can help me not have to wait three hours in line for something, for take my data, I don't care, whatever. Um, but I understand it's an issue. But meanwhile, we have, you know, Gmail accounts and Yahoo Mail accounts and this account and Facebook account. And my, my data's already, it's insane. It's not like... You know, oh my God, I'm I'm living in a bubble. So, um, a few phrases from from your speeches and from from uh, stuff you talked about yesterday on the panel: Internet of Medical Things, the art of the possible, which I love. Twenty four seven, around the world innovation um, that would make connected care the standard of care, which is number one on my bucket list. And I think any any sentient being um, that that has ever been sick because we are all in essence one doc's appointment away of being a patient every single person on the planet no matter how rich how poor how old how young just one visit away absolutely right and um the reality is is that even if we do become a patient um even if we become chronically ill we still want to live our lives. We still want to be human beings. We don't want to have to think about um, our healthcare 724. We just want to live. And so the ability to um, have healthcare be sort of an ambient part of our lives is um, it's not that far away if we can get the doctors to adopt because this phone that I'm holding in my hand right now it acts pretty much like the remote control of my life. I mean, I, I use this thing all day, every day. I stare at it. Um, I read it. I, I, I uh, react to it, of course. I send messages on it. I, this is how I live my life now. now. Why shouldn't I have my healthcare on this device as well, right? I, I can be wearing sensors, which, by the way, I happen to be wearing an activity monitor. I could be wearing a patch that's taking vital signs. It could be reacting with uh, my phone and and the cloud, it can actually be even reacting um, or interacting with my doctor and um, helping me, helping guide my life, guide my health. Um, and that capability is, is available today. It's just a function of getting the system to, to adopt. And again, I hate to go back to it, but I will. Uh, changing the way we pay for healthcare 
where the doctor is motivated to keep people well. Once we do that, these types of tools will, will happen overnight because it's how you keep costs down. It's how you keep patients connected, keep them informed, and keep the, the caregivers informed about the state of their patient. I completely agree. And one last thing, the Connect event. It's now in its fifth, sixth year. And uh, it's pretty much you bringing the industry together and saying, hey, okay, we're fixing this and coming up with that. And, and it's not about technology. It's about we have the responsibility to drive this market, bring everything to scale, and create an industry because there is no industry. It's all developing. And we're the ones that have to do it. We're the ones that have to go down to the grassroots level find the patients, find the early adopters, find the doctors, and tell them, this is what's going to change your life. This is what's going to make it better. Instead of competing with each other now, which is pointless because there's nothing to compete over. So in terms of that, within the next year or three years, do you see something that is close to breaking the floodgates open and really, 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 really starting on the road to change all so thank you, by the way, for mentioning the Connect event. Very proud of that. We, um, we have created this, this open ecosystem of hundreds of companies that are part of um, this, this sort of mission to, to help create these types of solutions and, um, and bringing them together and, and um, talking to them about how we can partner together to make it happen. And it's not just small companies. We have the likes of Philips and Novartis and Roche and... Uh, Medtronic, big companies that are um, adopting this open platform and that are working with us to try and, and get to this tipping point. Is there one thing out there that's going to help drive this? You know, as I sit here right now, it's still a lot of, of um, spade work. It's still just a lot of heavy lifting between a whole lot of companies that see the future. They see the future in terms of where payment is going. They see the future in terms of where um, quality of life is so critically important. They see the future in terms of how we have this aging population moving into the health system. And by the way, at the same time that this aging population is, is getting sick um, and needing care, the aging population is also the doctors and nurses who have been taking care of everybody and they're retiring So um, and also maybe getting sick. So we've got this looming uh, disaster really upon us where we're not going to have enough caregivers and technology can do so much to provide leverage to let the doctors focus on the the part of their their education that they that they really want to um, participate in which is delivering care not doing all the administrative bs that they they need to do so your question really was around what is that that one big thing out there and it's and unfortunately it's going to be a lot of little things that finally make this happen the the proper incentives for the caregivers the integration of the the technology in a way that it's again it's sort of ambient it, it just happens and patients don't have to think much about it and also creating the types of experiences where as a patient we engage and we stay engaged and and because as we've learned in the consumer world um, you've got to get, you've got to capture the attention if you're going to end up, you know, getting people to stick around and building a business, or in this case, creating a, a movement that helps keep patients um, well. So, exactly, 
a lot of different components, but they haven't found a way to make the image, make the puzzle. Well, I've been a good girl this year, and I hope Santa <laughs> Santa comes through. But I, more to the point, what I was asking was if there's something right now in the works brewing, um, an initiative, a product, anything within the next one to three years that you think um, is a step in the right direction and may start the ball rolling. Well, I'm certainly the X Prize. Um, being able to generate the the tricorder, and um, for your Star Trek fans, will know exactly what that is. But for those who are not, it's a diagnostic device that in Star Trek they used to hold over wireless device. It hold it over their injured comrade, and it would diagnose all their ills. If we could have a device like that, which we're very close to announcing that will do the initial diagnosis, that in and of itself can save the system millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and also create um, an ability for patients to get that diagnosis sooner so they can get on the, the way to, to getting healthy thereafter. So it, if I had to bring it down to one thing, because um, it's going to be hard to really, um, it's going to be a lot of individual pieces to really get this whole system moving, but if I had to boil it down to one thing, I think the... Um, the tricorder is the big one. I think so, too, and I hope I get to use it. Um, this was Venedia Kiriti, Tech Talk Central, live from Mobile World Congress with a bit of a cold, so my voice is a little hinky. Stay tuned. Thank you very much, Rick, and I hope uh, I get to see you next year and you give me uh, an even bigger scoop. Thank you, Venetia, and I hope I do have a big scoop for you next year. Have fun. Bye-bye. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.